0: And welcome back to episode 13. I'm your host Dan Steers and you've guessed it. I'm back in the studio all by myself. Kim Hagen is unavailable as it is a busy time of the year here in Australia with the equine breeding season. So we haven't been able to get him online for this week's episode, but uh, hopefully he's tuning in because from the feedback I got from episode 12, apparently we don't really need him. Uh, It was one of our better episodes from a few of our listeners who have been sending in some of their feedback. So Kim Hagen, you're officially on notice. I'm sure he'll appreciate that. But on other news, I have been extremely busy here at home. We've uh, just completed three back-to-back clinics, uh, about 12 days in total. Had some amazing participants um, throughout the three clinics. A couple of special mentions, uh, one in particular, we have Donna, who I am hoping she's tuning in because I've been wondering about putting her on the podcast with a special segment, Ask Donna, because Donna had some best advice, some very, I guess straight to the point, sharp shooting, blunt, but yet very effective advice to give. So I'm I'm toying with the idea about making her a regular on the podcast. Other than her, we also had Yoda. Now Yoda by I guess a nickname and certainly by reputation played a hell of a game of chicken, which is one of the social games that we might play where I can't say whether it does or doesn't involve drinking alcohol, like a lot of the other stories. As we've shared on this podcast before, but Yoda was deadly at the game chicken. So for any of the listeners who have been to one of our clinics before that has played chicken, I think we have certainly found the master. So there's another little special shout out to some of the clinic participants who I know might be listening in uh, to this week's episode. Apart from that, we've got a massive episode where we've got uh, covering the second half, which was a huge year of the 2012. We have lots of shows. Those expos, clinics that we've got to go through. Um, I've done a little bit of research following on from the last episode where we basically just mainly covered Dan James uh, preparing to go to the States, traveling to the States, and then, of course, competing and winning uh, at Road to the Horse 2012. And then following that, uh, we really probably might have had one of the busiest years for both uh, shows and expos that, that we've ever had. Um, it would be interesting following on from this episode and, and seeing um, whether that there is any years bigger than 2012 for our busyness with, like I mentioned, the shows and the expos particularly, as well as, of course, clinics. So this week's episode, I'm going to probably focus more so on one of our trips um, and then just go over real briefly the rest of the uh, the key highlights or shows that I can remember from 2012, Um, not get too in-depth as we want to not turn this into a 3 part year as as 2012 like some of the others have become so we can keep on moving we really want to get through our timeline bring everybody up to speed so then we can branch out with some of the other podcast episodes that we're gonna we're gonna hopefully do which will be not only i guess some more insight from the double Down horsemanship program with both dan and i philosophy training but also a lot of interviews we want to get into some of our closer friends as well as some you know i guess equestrian stars that 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 we want to share and and, um, showcase with our listeners as as well as ourselves. So stay tuned for those. But without further ado, there won't be any games or conversation starters. We're going to get straight into it and get Dan James on the line. You there, James?
1: Hey, mate. Good morning. I mean, uh, good evening.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's a bit of a topsy-turvy time. Um, You're driving back from somewhere. Where are you?
1: Mate, we've been... uh on a 15, I think nearly 15 day, uh, gone through the far northeast all the way up to Maine and then Connecticut and we're in Vermont and uh, currently, where are we currently? Maybe in New York, headed back to Kentucky.
0: Wow, you definitely have trumped me. I've just um, done 12 days straight, but but here at home. And uh, and we've had a pretty busy time here. Weather's been sensational, but um, you've certainly topped that with your travels, that's for sure.
1: Well, it makes it a bit hard when you're uh, travel uh, across any borders right now,
0: right? Pretty much, yeah, exactly. Um, I think exactly that, to be honest. I I don't think we can go literally across any border from New South Wales. So we are pretty much stuck here and I've just been deliberately um, staying at home just to make it a bit easier as restrictions sort of change on a regular basis. But um, at the moment, I think it's only going to start easing again, Uh, assuming there's no further sort of setbacks. But um, yeah, you sound like uh, busy as you Usual and business as usual, so to speak.
1: It, yeah, it, it's been um, it's been really busy, um, you know, over here. Um, talking to busy is uh, is uh, the other one joining us on this call, or is he uh, is he busy?
0: Yes, negative. So I've been uh, sitting sitting here again in the studio by myself. I, d- I did get him up on the phone just to check in on him and see why he has um, ditched us now a couple of times, and that's been as the listeners would know probably the hardest part is trying to coordinate the trifecta. Getting the three of us on, but nevertheless, we actually had some really good feedback. We don't need him, James. So th- this show's ro- this show's rolling without him. I've got some great feedback from the last episode. People really happy. Um, loved hearing a little bit uh, more from you because uh, apparently he seems to cut us both off uh, fairly frequently from some of the listeners. So hopefully, when um, Kim listens back to this episode, um, he's on notice. <laughs>
1: i have heard from uh traveling again on on since uh, uh lots of people that have commented on the uh,
0: podcast i believe he was going to say this might be of- yeah sorry mate we were just you just literally cut out and so i don't know how this podcast <laughs> is going to come through but um you're back again
1: uh, I'm, I'm here mate i'm here um yeah i said on this last thing uh there was uh, lots of people commenting um on uh for you on two on two types of occasions one was the uh, putting it all together and making it happen and uh, actually how funny you were. I've been trying to tell people for years over here that you're the actual uh, you're the one with the best sense of humour that, that I know. Um, it took a while for me to convince Elizabeth of that but she's finally on board. Um, and of course you know lots of comments on uh, on on Kim as well so um, it's been a big hit over here.
0: Oh that's uh, great to hear the feedback and um, I appreciate it but uh, you're sort of got two bookends of funny. If I'm funny on one side, Elizabeth. Sits on the other side, and, and I and I've always said after meeting Elizabeth, um, the the first time when when I met her across there in the states, that um, she's one of the funniest women I know. Which is um, a huge shout out to her. I, I love her sense of humour. So right back at her, um, I'm assuming she's not on the road with you. Who who have you got on the road with you?
1: Uh, this time we've got a uh, a main resident. Uh, we got Avery. Avery's uh, we took her. She was back up at her hometown there right for the first clinic, and then uh, been helped. Helping me out since then. So uh, Avery's on on this trip with her horse uh, Leo. We got we actually have a couple of horses with us on this trip. We've got um, we brought two up. We got Applejack and uh, Leo, and uh, bringing another two client horses home along with uh, Anzac. Anzac's been away doing some some uh, personal training and is now uh, returning home to Kentucky.
0: Wow! So you do have a full boat or, or a gooseneck um, over there coming back home. I've got a couple of new sort of I don't know if you want to call them interns or traineeships or whatever you want to call here. I've got – this might trump as maybe um, the oldest candidate we've ever had. What's the oldest traineeship or um, intern you've ever had there, James? Do you know?
1: That's a good question. Uh, I'm Fill, fill me on uh, in, on who you have there.
0: I'll have to think about that. Well, I've got a guy here called Chris, and I, I think he's about, I don't know if I should say it, but let's just say he's north of 40, and he's uh, been sensational. Okay. hes um, I mean, he's young at heart. I haven't given him a day off since he's been here. Um, goes hard. And I've got an, another new girl here, uh, Shannon as well, who um, is obviously much younger, the usual age, um, that we probably have come through the facility. So um, between the two of them, they've been fantastic. It's actually been really good to have them, both here and um, a little bit of, uh, I guess, fresh blood, so they say, and um, a bit more energy around the joint. And yeah, it's been, it's been really good working with them and, and they're both, both really keen students.
1: Have you guys got many horses in work?
0: Yeah, we've mostly mine. We've just done these big, big lot of clinics. We've done, um, like I said, two back-to-back five-day camps and then, a, and then a bison clinic as well. And then we go into sort of uh, a few regular weekend clinics here at home, just um, in the short term. And then there's a couple of competitions pending that I've sort of I'm trying to um, hold off the dates and just see if those um, come come out. I've got a couple of good young horses that I want to get out and about, so I've just brought in a heap of my own young sale horses and uh, I guess potential competition horses, and then I've got probably you know half a dozen. Uh, outside clients, horses uh, here as well. So, yeah, we've been doing, I think today we did about 18 or 19 through here. Yesterday was 17, so I said we had to do cool. better than 17, and uh, I think we got there. I think it was 19. I think it was 19, two more.
1: Good deal. So getting a few um, Yeah, no, that's um, yeah. You guys, are, you guys are keeping busy there. Um, we've got uh, Patrick and, uh, and Ryder and that back to farm that have been keeping our horses in, in work and training uh, back there, but I don't know that we have quite quite that many. Uh, right now I might have to have Avery do a bit of a t- tally up to see how many that we actually have in yeah in training. And what, I think we've got about yep. I think we've got about ten right now.
0: What's the um, weather situation like over there? Because we've we've just started getting into some nice warm weather. What 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 you, are you getting cold yet?
1: Yeah. Uh, it started to cool off. It was um, in Celsius this morning. It probably was about ten to fifteen.
0: Oh yeah, not too
1: Celsius. Bad. No, but it's, uh, you can certainly tell the change of the seasons are coming. late. I start getting, um, um, I start getting a little anxiety as soon as those leaves start uh, change colour.
0: Yeah, well, I guess too. So you've been north, have you? Is that what you said? You've been north, so it had been a bit cooler yeah, again.
1: Yes, absolutely. And then um, talking about an event, um, Denver livestock show that we've of course been involved in for a number of years. Um, they just cancelled. Oh really? Um, over here. So that was kind of a big deal. And then they changed the NFR, so typically in Vegas, to um, Fort Worth, Texas. So that's, um, yeah, I guess a bit of news of, a, of events over here. Yeah, I did
0: see that. Um, are you getting a call up for the NFR by any chance?
1: Uh, not that I'm aware of, at least yet. Yeah, but, you know, who knows, right?
0: Yeah, well, it could change things a little bit by uh, moving it to Texas, which must be pretty exciting um, for, I guess, the state of Texas, because I imagine it's never been down there before, or has it? Oh, we might have lost you again. You there?
1: Yeah, mate. Yeah.
0: Oh, it's like a bad Chinese movie. I'm only getting about thirty uh, percent.
1: Who would have thought you would be in the service? We
0: just can't coordinate at the moment. Which um, a lot of listeners have been asking for a podcast episode, a new podcast episode. So I really push for it. But um, if I've still got you there, we'll get straight into it and then see how far we can get. See you there.
1: Yeah, mate. I can like hear you. Yeah, back again.
0: All right. So let's skip the small talk. We're going to get straight into the back half of uh, 2012, which is, um, I mentioned in the intro, is probably one of the biggest years for our live shows, expos and clinics all in one. Like it was just amazing. I've got a few down the bottom of this page that I'm going to read out at the end, but I'm going to focus on on one main trip, um, which is when I came over to Canada. So this is 2012. You've done a couple of expos, did like Equine Affair after... Um, Road to the Horse, which, uh, again, I came over for, and that was a, was a great event, a massive event, probably the biggest expo outside of Australia that we'd been to at that point. And, uh, and you had your horses there, including Swampy would have been his first, um, I guess, uh, expo outside of Road to the Horse. And um, and then we met up again, but we met up in Canada, and we ne- went to Nikki Flunders place there, and I think it's pinch's Creek, is that right?
1: Yeah, good memory. Yeah, pinch's Creek. Yep, absolutely. There's no one um, I mean that area is one of the windiest places in North America.
0: But also one of the prettiest. So so Nikki and her husband, uh, Dustin, they've got a beautiful ranch up there and, and I've got a few stories I wanna I wanna talk about just for- just from being there, one of the ones that when I wrote this list of sort of things I wanted to, to sort of go over, you know how a lot of Americans get um, really, really sort of scared about Australia and Australia's got, you know, crocodiles and we've got snakes and we've got spiders and they all get a bit like, oh, you guys are just crazy down there that, you know, you're so tough that you deal with wildlife that could kill you. <laughs> and we don't think too much of it. But but when we went to Nikki's place, I, I don't know if we've even talked about this, but But as we drove down the driveway, I noticed these big silos in the paddock and they've had had all these massive dents in them. And I was looking at these dents going, they look like a bloody car's been running into it like just several times. I just, it was a weird dent. Like I just couldn't imagine. I'm like, who's running into these silos is what I was thinking as we were driving down the driveway. I'm just like, because a cow couldn't do it. So I'm like a tractor or something. They must have some really bad drivers over here. And I don't know when it came out, but um, Nikki or, or Dustin or something, Somebody told us it's it's bears that consistently, constantly ram the silo trying to break it open, which are often they eventually do, and they get grain out and then they just sit there and gorge themselves. And nearly everybody that I know in that North America has been chased or, or got some story about a bear, which made me just think that they've got animals that um, I guess in my in my mind are, are way scarier than what we have over here. Did, have you got any bear stories or do you remember that at Nikki's place? Yes.
1: Oh, absolutely! I, I remember that at um, at Nikki's place for sure. And I, um, as you said, you know, like uh, it's uh, sometimes work to our advantage. They think that we come from Australia it's full of these scary animals, but in, in the reality, it's uh, just like you said. There's a lot more stuff up here that can eat you, and, and things that are land dwelling that can even catch you on a horse. So I think it's, uh, yeah, I think that the uh, the bears and uh, wildlife up here are far more deadly and dangerous than uh, than what we have down home um, in Australia. Um, the only one I can remember is about the bear when we're in Oregon, talking about bears, um, there was that big black bear that uh, kept breaking into that uh, barn at, uh, at Christie's place.
0: Yeah, breaking in. He broke I'm the sure wall. It. I remember that. He broke he broke a hole in the wall, didn't he, or the door or something?
1: Yeah, in the door. Yeah, yeah. Like all part of the door off to, to get in there.
0: Yeah, I don't know if Australian so, listeners, that's why I wanted to put it in because majority of our listeners are Australian and we do have a, a large support there in, in the US as well. So these guys will probably relate to this because, uh, like I said, I think American's think we're badass, that we're just like all crocodile dundees types of people over here. And and then you have, you know, Australians are probably unaware of the wildlife necessarily over there that they face because they've got it all. I mean, they've got bloody cougars and mountain lions and these sorts of things as well. I remember another story about bears that just popped up that we were at one of those expos and we'd done a whip cracking demonstration and somebody came to the booth and asked us, they said, oh, would this whip cracking be really good to desensitize a horse? to being able to fire a gun from them. And I was like, oh, absolutely. I mean, it's going to take care of the noise part and moving objects around them and blah, blah, blah. And then he proceeded to tell me that he was just a trail rider and that on a recent trail ride, he got chased by a bear. And I don't know if it was a black bear or a grizzly bear or what other bears they have over there, but he, he got chased. Well,
1: and, let's put it this way. It definitely wasn't a koala bear.
0: Yeah, exactly. And he was getting chased on his horse, and apparently they've got they're really fast. So he was just 9 0 and he and he knew of this water crossing and he was like, well, if I get out into the water that this bear will quit chasing me. And he said it didn't quit chasing him, it just chased him through the water. He went the other side and he kept going and then he knew of a main road that wasn't, again, too far away. So he kept this horse going and this bear didn't let up. And he said not only when he got to the road where there was traffic, he said this bear didn't turn and run away until he actually walked in between the cars and stopped traffic before this bear quit chasing him. And he, and he went to say... That he now wants to carry a gun so he could have sort of at least defend himself while trail riding, and I was just like, this is the wildest story I reckon I've ever been told by a you know spectator, let alone crazy situation. And and I think Dustin had a story about having to get off his horse or something. This is what I'm I'm faintly remembering where he had to get off his horse for doctoring a cow or something, and he got chased by a bear at, on his property, and he had to go around and around. And around a tree for like I don't know I, I want to say an hour or two I don't know how long it was we'll have to get him on here one day and ask him until this bear again quit quit chasing him and ran away and his horse left him like he was out there by himself do you remember that story
1: yeah. I do vaguely now that you now that you bring it up but I mean as as you started out saying like um, I've seen probably more I guess native animals in in a week or two being at Nikki and Dustin's place than I have in the rest time of being in a in America from move. Uh, to the uh, elk, to the um, black bears, uh, those long round horned sheep, uh, the coyotes, and uh, even uh, I believe there was a, um, a cougar there um, as well. So that's a, it's a, an incredible place to see a lot of wildlife all at the same time, maybe when you're just not quite ready for it.
0: Absolutely. But going on to that, it was one of the prettiest places I've ever been while well, I've been over in the States. And we shot a promo over there, um, which we're going to be able to put up on on our – um. Facebook and socials and everything else of one of the promos that we, we had, uh, we had two come out that year, funnily enough, when I did my research, we had our beach one early in the year, um, at Northam Cove. And then we had, uh, one later in the year that we shot there at Nikki's place. And it was, it has the Rocky mountains in the back with, with, you know, they had a, a snow cap on them. Um, we had the horses out in the field, you know, big open pastures. I mean, there was cows and calves, um, you know, there was just some beautiful scenery. It was, it was an amazing um you know video shot shoot that um that we've that we've ever done in in that sort of location and and you had your horses there and and we used those and got some really good footage um it, i remember it was cold we had big jackets on i haven't seen the video for a while but i'll get it back up and uh, i think you used one of nikki's horses that you taught to do the liberty spin and there's some really good stuff I even remember again from the last episode amelia at one point running off and she ran and there was no other horses we had all the other liberty Horses, none of them had left, and um, she didn't come back either. And you and I rode out. I think you had a polo, and I might have had you might have had top gun or something out there. And and we rode out together. And then there she was, just grazing with a couple of cows and calves. Um, you did some liberty liberty Roman riding on those two, with you know like maple leaves falling. It was it was a pretty good uh, promo. So we'll get that back up and uh, and show everybody, and then they can also, I guess, probably see some of the visuals we're talking about, because this was just on Nikki and Dustin's um, ranch there in, in Pinchers Creek. It looks like we went to like 10 different locations. It was just all on the same place. And uh, it was it was a lot of fun. I mean, a lot of those times when we do those promos and video shoots and stuff, I sort of, it, you know, it's it's sort of like a lot of hurry up and, and wait. You just got to sit around a bit and you always wonder at the time, is it is this really going to pay off? But now that we're um, reminiscing on the podcast, I sort of look back at those moments and go, man, that was really cool that we did that. That and I'm really glad we did because if we didn't do it, we would have missed a huge opportunity. And it was certainly your doing. I remember you pushed it and organised it. Uh, what do you remember from that day?
1: Well, I think um, one of the things, the, you know, the thing that we're having this conversation talking about, Nikki and Dustin. There's a couple of things I want to throw out there real quick. Um, you know, Dustin, uh, Nick's husband, um, he's been to the NFR at least that I know of, five, like maybe more, riding saddle bronc horses. An incredible uh, guy, great dad. He- He's a hack of a bronc rider, like he's often referred to as the John Wayne in the uh, in the uh, bronc riding world. Um, real, yeah, he's a he's a great guy, and and of course Nikki, um, uh, she's no slouch. Um, that girl has uh, been a, done. I mean, some incredible things. From I think started out in ice skating, right through to uh, her dad was in pyrotech, um, and then of course um, you know when we, because oftentimes we talk about knowing the horses of, of Heartland. Well, it's Nikki um, that owns those horses and there's always been the person um, that has worked those horses on set and uh, I was fortunate enough Nikki brought me across to help uh, her and uh, work on those horses which have you know become legendary in, in that theory um, of, of Heartland and uh, it was Z Zita um, in the video that you're talking about who has been um, you know one of the most uh, famous horses on Heartland since that show began and, and finally the other thing um, while I'm on that is that Nikki then started of course part um, of the horse which is a uh, cold starting competition in, in Canada that I was fortunate enough to be a part of last year but those those two are really they're a power couple and they've um, done, a, done a lot of um, many different things um, in their life and uh, career and to uh, get to be there on that beautiful ranch of theirs uh, you know is outstanding because I think we remember we had Donald of and course. Katie there um, that day and uh, Devon. Yes, um, they were all there helped out um, as well so it was a good fun uh, time and crew um, that, that we had but I do remember it being cold we- I remember wondering whether Swampy was going to buck us off when we got on to, to ride him on, because he still really pretty green at that Absolutely,
0: point. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, you rode him. I remember I kept taking I kept taking um Top Gun because he was easy. A couple of things that you missed also about Nikki is her entertainment, both in trick riding and uh and of course um you know the Liberty horses. We have talked about Nikki before on the podcast um you know when we famously used her horses for the World of Christian games. And also Dustin I believe has won at least once um Calgary Stampede as well. On, and, I, and, I, and I've got a sneaking f- yeah. suspicion he might have won it more than once. But the saddle bronc there, which is I don't know over how many rounds, but it's it's got to be a big show, right?
1: Yeah, it's, that's an incredible show. Um, I was fortunate enough to be there at least for the first year that he won it, and I remember him and uh, actually one of his other really good um, mate guys, last time I can't remember right now, won uh, bull riding as well. So, fortunate enough to be there that year and uh, did some celebrating with him after the fact.
0: Yeah, I bet that would have been a good party with with this yeah. with <laughs> With this trip, um, we we had a clinic on, wasn't that far out of uh, Calgary, I think, but but um, Cavalia, and this is why I wanted to sort of get on this bloody Canada trip because so many things uh, happened in this sort of two week period that we were both there together. So we so we drove across. We had to we had a clinic, and Cavalia was about I don't know. It was like sort of four hours away, you know, because it's a traveling show. For the listeners that don't know about Cavalia, it's been here in Australia, obviously travels um, the states and in the North America. It's been around the world and they've got at least two shows, maybe even three that, that travel. And uh, and you know some people in that and, uh, and I hadn't been before. So we made the decision that we would drive out there. Even though it was a, it was a pretty big drive and we took your freight liner and it didn't have the gooseneck on. We just took the truck out and we drove out there and we went and saw the show and and it was it was great. We I love the show. I actually saw saw the same show back here in Australia and I took a heap of people to it. So and, and we had a hell of a time it might it might feature in one of the podcasts too um it was a, it was we had some good stories out of that but we went over there we watched the show we we hung around afterwards and uh, caught up with um, some like I said some people that you knew and, and I and I hadn't met before and then we did this um, drive home and uh, and this story I'm sure you know it and Donald tells it quite frequently as well. It was it was cold and and icy and so we had to drive back and it took us a lot longer to get back and we had a clinic the next day and the truck you know um ha, you know probably heavier on the front than it is on the back not towing anything we were coming over a uh, a a overpass yeah as you know where I'm going with this and we hit a bit of black ice well I know I might have pooped my pants a little bit but I didn't scream or squeal as bad as Donald did in the back as this uh, big freight liner was sliding from side to side on a, on a major interstate and, uh, and you were trying to control it. And I think literally like we, none of us wanted to drive, but, um, uh, Katie from from TaylorMade, uh, I think I've got that right. Um, she was she was pretty yeah. she was pretty adamant that she would probably be better driving since I think everyone was was in the truck was um, Australian other than her and maybe Devon. Um, and we don't have and a ho- whole Nicky lot of experience. Was, well, who was in there? Nikki was there.
1: Remember, I didn't know Nikki went she, with us.
0: Did she? So she went with us, and it was a bit of a toss up. You were driving because it was the big freight liner that you loved. And uh, anyway, it was it was so scary. I mean, it woke me up enough. Like I think I was sort of dozing and, and I stayed awake and we got back to, um, to where the clinic was, and I mean, it was just it was now snowing pretty sort of um, fiercely, and we we got it.
1: In the- if you remember, you remember in the freight liner mm-hmm. it the uh, seals on those back doors, and the and the heat wasn't real good, and, and there was uh, I think um, you, Katie Taylor, Dev, and Donald, and Donal, and you had blankets and everything that you had to get out, and uh, we're all uh, on the back seat. And Nikki, I, I'm pretty sure, was up front with me, and the only time in my life that I've heard Nikki sound scared, and I'm pretty sure it was because I was driving. Oh, and we, when we, we hit that black eye, yeah. that yeah, put the fear of God up everybody, including myself. It was definitely a white
0: knuckle moment. We, yeah, we were all. When you say, I think, yeah, we were all scared. And I remember we get we got back like at like three a.m. You know, it took us all night. That's how I sort of remember it. And I was just like, we got a clinic the next day, and I didn't rest in the in the truck. And um I was just like, oh, I can't. We, the alarm went off or whatever. Or you got up to to sort of get out there, and um I was just like, no, you. Going to have to start this clinic by yourself, eh? Because you know what I'm like, I need my sleep. And so everyone went out and the heater was on in that gooseneck, and I was, I stayed in bed and I got up about 10 o'clock. I thought, oh, well, that'll be all right. James would have had the clinic start, and I'll just slip in and start helping him. And I get out, and you hadn't even started the clinic because three quarters of the clinic hadn't arrived because it was it was it, the roads were atrocious and everybody had trouble getting there. Even though the arena that we um, were using was all heated and um, and that part was okay, but people couldn't get there, so it was just a whole different experience for me. Um, I know that it would have been pretty new to you. You'd already been in Kentucky for a couple of winters, but um, you know, obviously in Canada it's a lot further north and uh, and and. Nikki said it can snow, you know, up to seven months of the year. And I'm just like, that's just unacceptable. (laughs) Because you've got to think a month either side (laughs) of that seven months um, is still got to be cold. So we're looking at, you know, eight, nine months (laughs) of just cold. And I was like... This is uh, as beautiful as her ranch was, um, and Nikki and, and Dustin's ranch. Um, they can just have that area because I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Be, I would never be able to live up there in those sort of conditions.
1: Well, the thing that always like is mind boggling to me about Canada, and there's lots of things that blow not mind about it. One of the biggest things is that it's so freezing ass cold up there. But then comes summertime, you're up there, and the mosquitoes. The mosquitoes are like tiny birds <laughs> that could carry you away. And I'm like, how's it possible? How can something to live through seven months of freezing arsehole weather and come out the other side and still want to bite you. That's the part that like I'm just like, no, nah, I'm out. I'm
0: out. And that's it. So um for anybody thinking about moving to Canada, just rule that straight off the list. Um again pressing on.
1: Yeah, I, yeah I'm sure that uh, tourism Canada isn't gonna give us a job anytime soon.
0: Promoting them. I mean we are saying I'm about to actually just contradict that a little bit because the next part on this list is then we drove we drove pretty much across country like a direct line, but we went from, I I think if I can remember it right, from west to east and we drove pretty much along the Rocky Mountain Ridge. And now that was just spectacular. And we did that during the day and it wasn't icy or anything like that. And uh, I remember that drive and I even had some photos on my Facebook from that drive of um, just incredible scenery. Like it's just, I mean, it's a very famous road. Um, The Rocky Mountains are obviously really famous and, uh, and we went across to um, where? Where was main event? What was that? Chilliwack. We went across. To- yeah,
1: Chilliwack. So it would, it would have been. Uh, we were. We went. Uh, we were in the east and went west. Really?
0: You sure, it's not the other way around.
1: Yeah, because we had Chilliwack out there on the on the west coast.
0: Okay, I, I read that wrong. I'll look it up and and if and uh, and and just make sure because as I remember it, I was like, isn't Calgary and that on the west side? And anyway, doesn't matter. I'll um I'll I'll like I said, I'll check that out. But the, we, but we went to we went to the main event. Which we we had an ex, which was an expo called um, main event, which I just mentioned in Chil- in in Chilliwack. <laughs> I just doubled up there as I'm reading this out, and uh, we had a training demonstrations. You and Nikki and myself did um, a fair bit of the entertainment. Um, we got to catch up with a couple of those Canadian boys, um, Jonathan Field and Glenn Stewart, who we'd met at Road to the Horse. So we we had some people there that we knew, and and that was a lot of fun. I really, um, uh, I guess, cherish you know that time that we've spent. Um, catching up with Jonathan Field. He's such an insightful person and um, such a nice guy, to be honest, and so is Glenn. I just I just sort of uh, had a little bit more to do with um, Jonathan and really admired him, and And that was the second time that we got to meet him. I also competed in their trainer's challenge, and, and the trainer's challenge had a – it's basically for the listeners, it's a um, – Colt starting or young horse breaking in competition. It's a different format to the road to the horse, or if you're here in Australia, the way of the horse at Equitana, they they make all the um, competitors. They've got three competitors, three judges, but you did your rounds, which I actually prefer um, individually. So you get the attention of the judges for the duration of your training session and no distractions. And also you had 30% of the mark was based on your communication of your method so that you were explaining it to not only um, the participants or or I should say the spectators watching it, but also the judges. You could explain yourself to your judges, which you don't get to do it road to the horse. Like I think that's one of the downfalls to that style is a lot of times it's only human nature. If you're seeing something that you don't necessarily do, like as, are horsemen. They're all horsemen that judge it, and and women, horsewomen as well. I mean, um, when they when you're watching something and you go, well, I, I wouldn't be doing that if I was them. And you might not be doing it because you don't understand it and you've never been shown it. But but instantly you defend it, you know, yourself, and you think, well, I wouldn't do it. So you sort of you sort of frown upon it, so to speak. And then you might watch another clinician more that that you gravitate to because they've got a similar approach to you. Where this this event and um, the trainers challenge. You, you had their attention and you got to explain yourself, which I reckon was a huge advantage to myself. But, but I wanted to mention my first session, and you probably don't remember this, but my first session, you, you were my number one pen wrangler and I'd already been you a know, pretty big support to you earlier that year for Road to the Horse. Admittedly, I wasn't your pen wrangler, but I did step up when you were sick and uh, help the team. And of course, I, I uh, supported you behind the scenes. My first session, I get all my gear ready. I go to the round pen and you'll know where to be seen. Do you remember that? You were like missing in action. Yeah, I
1: remember that, I, that we had a uh, uh, demo that concluded
0: with it. No, no, no. The demo finished before. I think you were just, you might have got stopped by somebody or something like that. Like, I think it, it was just, it was tight. Nikki, everybody else was there because it was actually quite funny because I was on the microphone. I had that opportunity to um, to talk. And I, and I do remember <laughs> rubbing your nose in it. And I also remember when I was doing that demonstration that you wouldn't be like standing by the fence, like, like an eager kelpie, just waiting to jump in and help if required. You would like sit down and you're like chatting to um, whether it be strangers or Nikki or probably Donald. Um, Donald remembers it as it was pretty funny because we had a few funny moments in some of those demonstrations. I think I even answered a phone call when Pierre rang at one point. um I remember stopping my young horse and taking a photo with a stranger. um There, there was a lot of cool moments about that demonstrate that that competition. But I'll let you defend defend yourself what do you remember
1: I wish I had a uh, better memory. I remember it just being at the uh, at the demonstration that I had so I know that I had to do a demo, and I know it started before the uh, the cold starting, and I thought that it ran into the cold starting. But um, your memory is is a, a little better than mine, so I, I won't have much more to defend myself on. That's all. That's the only part I can remember to it.
0: Well, well, there you go. I mean, yeah, I know it wasn't bad, and I and and I was prepared, and it was okay. I uh, I got through the. I was, a, I was a little nervous um, at the time because I felt like I was having pretty good rounds, but the judges, um, I mean, they were like, they had the best poker face. They never let on. Um, that they really fancied what I was doing and a real at, buckaroo styles. Do you remember that?
1: that? Yeah, that part, really, that part I, I do 100% remember. I remember talking that about it and uh, like I was like, man, and I'm pretty sure that one guy there is not a big fan. And uh, it turns out when you look at your cards, it was quite the opposite. They were, um, you know, not only were they a big fan and really, um, you know, appreciate and enjoyed what you did, but, uh, you know, you, yeah, you, I'll, I'll let you finish, you know, telling how it goes, but you pretty much knocked it out of the ball. Yes,
0: we luckily because I wasn't like I felt like I was leading it, you know, um, pretty pretty easily. And um, but at the same time, it's a competition. They weren't they weren't giving the scores daily or anything like that. And and these guys, I mean, yeah, they I wasn't their style. You know, we wear different style hats and ride in different saddles and whatever. You know, approach things differently. And then there was you know another competitor in there that 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 you know really looked like their style, and and it was just it was really hard to to. Rate and read and then as you mentioned the score sheets when when i when i was announced the winner we had a really fun um final round in the big arena and the horse went really well i mean he was a nice colt um that's for sure and um and you know everything went our way and that was great and they gave us the score sheets afterwards and and i think um you know from second place i was like three or four hundred points and i think from the next one i was like 600 and something points ahead um they really they they, they really did score me quite well well, which um, you know made me feel good about uh, about our process and and our program, but um, but during the whole ordeal, I guess if you could call it an ordeal, you know, I was I was still a little bit concerned. And I remember we would talk about it, and we we had a hotel that we were staying at, and um, I've only just remembered that I didn't write this story down, but there was two funny um, moments out of this store out of this hotel that we stayed at and we would go back and have these discussions, and you know, we would we would all hang out in the same. Hotel room, and we'd got we'd got pizzas one night, and we're heading up to
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> he yeah. I just remembered it. Um, we're heading up to our room, and we were going up the elevator. And um, Donald, as he usually does, had something smart to say, and I had told him not to say it again. And he had his he was holding all the pizzas, and he was he was right at the door of the um, elevator, and just as he knew as the doors was opening, he was going to get out and run, but he was going to say whatever I told him not to say. So he split and I was, I was predicting this. So he spurted it out. And as he ran out of the elevator, I just kicked his foot out from underneath him. And all those pizzas went up in the air and they all like came out of the box. Some went back in the box and some didn't. There was, there was pizza all over the floor of this hotel. We cleaned it up as best as we could and uh, and then we vanished back to the um room and we had a little bit of a party in there and I think we might have even had a complaint or two. I think I remember something like that. And a few other things happened. I remember we had Wileen and that come by and it was pretty social. We left the door open and, and the girls needed to go back down stairs for something. Devon and I don't remember who else was with Devin and was might, it might have been one of Nikki's people. One of the Trick Rider, wouldn't it? Yeah, one of the yeah, one of the
1: young girls, Trick Riders who who, who you need to put poster of when you climbed into uh,
0: her spandex oh, no. uh, yeah, so outfit. I was, I was, I was leaving that out.
1: Flash the clinic crowd as you ran through with the spandex outfit on.
0: Yeah, I did get into her. I was trying to get Donald to get into it, and he wouldn't get – I said, Donald, Dan, was, you were out there doing a bit of a demonstration, and I said, Donald, get, it, get in this pink spandex trick riding costume, and I said, you know, run across the back of this crowd, and it would be funny, and he wouldn't do it, and then – and then I was giving him so much crap about it. He said to me, well, you wouldn't do it. So I sort of threw it back in my face and I was like, yes, I would. And so I did it. I got into that suit and luckily I was a bit fitter than I am now. And I got in there and and, and did a runner. And that, the funny thing about that was I did a runner and it was behind the crowd. So I had to holler out at them so that they could see me doing it, which they all turned and looked. And I went across the back and then I got across there and I was like, I actually have to do the walk of shame on the way back. I can't get from one side of this thing without going out to the snow which i was not going to do so then when i came back the other way that's when they somebody was quick enough to get a photo and i and it was like a streaker because i was like i was running pretty fast from one side to the other but the, that, that girl that you were saying her and devon got in the elevator and they went down to to get something um maybe from a vehicle or something <laughs> And they are coming back in the elevator and we get this call. The elevator stopped. It's broken down and they were stuck just short of our floor. And uh, we got the door open a little bit or whatever, or we we're just chatting to them. but I think the door was open just a smidgen and they had to wait for like the fire brigade. And, and it was a fair bit of time. I think we put some pizza in there and the girls held it together really well. They were a little bit stressed. They are both pretty young. In a way, they um, got them out and the fire brigade were really good about it. And they, I remember them saying, "Look, you know, you girls, I'm sure you weren't, but just by any chance were you jumping inside the elevator while it was moving?" Because that can be a reason why these elevators stop. And the girls were quick to say, "No, we weren't jumping in the elevator. We wouldn't do that." And and I remember these guys, they must have been thinking, "Yeah, right, yeah." And they're like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you didn't." I mean, it was we just have to ask and we've got to, you know, investigate the reasons why these uh, elevators stop." And uh, the girls came back to the hotel and it was Nikki's friend. Um again, I I'm, I can't think of a name, but but anyway, I see it quite frequently on Facebook, but I've, I've lost her name. Anyway, she she got onto um, the hotel management, I guess, and um, she was giving them a bit of a blast on the phone saying, hey, we're going to get some free stuff from this. So she gets on the phone and she starts saying, we've got these two young girls, you know, highly stressed and blah, blah, blah. Next minute we're getting desserts and Coke and all sorts of, Coca-Cola that is folks, um, all sorts of stuff sent up to the room. And as she gets off the phone, she looks at the girls and she says now right you tell me this did you jump in the elevator and again I'm pretty sure they first lied about and said no we weren't jumping and then she asked them a second time and they cracked and they said they did jump in the elevator when it was coming up and that lady said, I knew. 100%. Yeah, she said, I knew you did. I knew you did. But she said, I wasn't going to ask you until after I made the phone call because she wouldn't have been able to make that phone call and see how much free stuff she could get us. Um, which was that, that really added to the trip, every didn't
1: time, it? Every time I get into the, every, even to this day, every time I get into an elevator, I still think about those two girls jumping up and down in it and making a dock. <laughs>
0: It was just, yeah, I know. It's one of these funny and they memories.
1: They had to have done jumping up now because neither of them would be. No, they wouldn't. And to make that play to stop. Like, they had to be, like, just about hitting their heads on the ceiling.
0: Yeah, exactly. They, they wouldn't have been, like, between the two of them, they wouldn't have weighed as much as an average person, um, let alone two people. So, yeah, that, you're dead right there. So, we, we end up, as I mentioned, um, getting some luck in that trainers' challenge and we won. And, of course, like, double Dan style or in true double Dan. Style. We went out and partied in Canada, but it was a Sunday night, so it was it was um you know a little bit quieter than our Nashville party, but we went out with Greg from Cavello and his wife, and we also went out with the double dan crew. And funnily enough, we still had a really good night where we went to a bar slash restaurant and we kept that place open. Like they there was no one else left in there. They left like two staff behind. I remember like Greg's wife was like dancing on the tables. I reckon Katie and Devon and everyone was dancing on the tables, and they let us, um, you know, plug in somebody's iPhone into the music. And I just, I had a really good night. Like it's one of the one, one of the memories I'll treasure the most, you know, in in reflection of um, some of the stuff we've done. As as it just, you know, topped off a great competition. And we talked a little bit about competition mindset um, in the last episode about saying that you know you can enjoy a win for a night, and you you know you can't get too carried away it just the same as if you've had a bad show you can sort of you know stew on it for a night but you got to move on and that was one of those nights where we just had a great night all together you know great expo we're still so new at everything that we're doing that you know it was a, it was a bit of a milestone and it was a small crowd we just had ourselves there but we ended up turning it into and of course we had Donald there so whenever, whenever you have Donald um, in a social environment it's always going to be a good time and we had a really good night and yeah, I can't remember where we Went, um, but but it was it it was fun, eh? Oh, that-
1: those guys, they were uh, just amazing. Like that, they kept that that bar and stuff open, and and uh, you know how to uh, stay there and act like idiots for the couple hours that we didn't put up with us. They were they deserved every bit of that tip that they got. Well, I think, um, I think Greg, was, uh, Greg
0: paid for it. I'm pretty sure. So we better give him and Cavello boots and pads a bit of a shout out. There's a free plug for them because <laughs> I'm pretty sure he he um, fixed them up for it.
1: Yeah, no, he, I, I think I remember that too. Uh, but yeah, no, it was awesome. Like. Um, you did a heck of a job all weekend and then to watch in your final round um, you know like everything get done just kind of came together it was one of those moments as you said that just it, you know the stars aligned on that particular day and um, you know it, it paid off and it, you know judges you know seen it as well but you had a um, sensational last round and just uh, pretty much put on a clinic out there with that young young horse and um, yeah I remember that being a, an absolute highlight uh, of, of winning that, that event that was, uh, that was pretty damn cool
0: yeah thank you and and That's going to sort of, I guess, wrap that little part up. A little um, trip to Canada and and a little trip down memory lane. And I'll try to put up as much um, information, I guess, or or stuff that we've talked about. Get the
1: spandex photo.
0: Get the spandex. And we've got some stuff of that cult, the trainers' challenge. I don't think I've got any video, but I've got bits and pieces. Actually, I might add some video on an old hard drive because I've been looking through stuff when we've been doing some of the um, promotional stuff. So I'll, I'll see what I can find and we'll get on the socials and we'll update everybody on, on some of that stuff. So what I've done now is I've, I've gone through James and I've just done, um, a bit of a list of this, that this year that we had, you know, this big year, because if we go through literally every show, this is going to be like a 10 hour podcast or at least, you know, six episodes. So I'm just going to go through a few of the things that we've done. And we've already talked about a couple. So I'm going to just feature a little story from from every one of them. So we, we we're going to go off like from the year, and I don't mention them all. There were so many that I just I just pick a few. So Mooney Valley, we talked about in the last episode. We had the you know champion mare Black Caviar. She featured that night. We talked about those stories. Great night. So this is in, all in the same year, and of course you've moved the horses over. You've done all that. You've gone across to to start up Double Dan essentially USA Road to the Horse. Again, we mentioned the epic win with you and Guy McLean and, and all the stuff about that, which which was in episode 12. Then we go on Equine Affair, which I, I just touched on at the at the start, which was really the first big major equine expo for double dan horsemanship outside um, of Australia, certainly in America. And, I, I mean, how many times now have you been back to Equine Affair? I mean, you wouldn't even be able to count, would you?
1: No, a lot, yeah.
0: And they have those epic nights, those Fantasia nights, which, again, you performed in with uh, Amelia and Apollo um, in 2012, which would have been the first time, and of, of course, since then, I mean, I've I, I've even um, performed in in Fantasia at that at that same expo with um, Swampy and Top Top Gun when you were injured, you know, when you got hurt, which that's of course going to come up in one of the later episodes and and so we've both had a bit of a a bit of a uh, I guess a memory of of that big show and we'll talk about that in future episodes. The other one was I came back from um, Road to the Horse. I went up and and did the Cloncurry show and and the story that I want to just say there is that is a really long way to go for one show you've, you've been to Cloncurry haven't you James
1: <laughs> yeah well at one point in time mum and dad lived in Cloncurry and uh, yeah it's a long way from any different direction that you want to go to
0: yeah absolutely There's no, it's not close to anything and the Australian listeners will understand this but I went there for one show like it was just it was insane like the, the cost of the travel outweighed the show by 10 and, uh, and you know it was, it was a good show and all the rest of it I actually went back the month later because I went there for their agricultural show and then I went back for the challenge and it was about a month after. I stayed in Queensland the whole time, but um, I didn't stay up at Cloncurry. You also returned home um, before Cloncurry and we did the NCHA Futurity again, which I think would have been, if that's 2012, that would have been the third year in a row. Um, And you rode, you were supposed to ride a a mare of mine called Sabrina, but she she came up lame just before and we couldn't get it right. Um, She would do that a bit. I, I, I took it to, up to Cloncurry and competed her and stuff like that, so she must have just had a bad moment. And so I prepared her for the Stockman's Challenge, which we talked about in an earlier episode where you caught that Brumby and you rode it around the arena. We didn't have double uh, – I mean, sorry, we didn't have Ari at that show which you used previously, so instead you had to jump on double image. And, um, and I mean, he's trained in, to do all those things, but one of the things we've talked about in the past, and you always give me a lot of crap about, is how I don't ride him bareback because I whinge about how rolly he is and how smooth he is and how difficult he is to ride bareback and you'd always tease me about it you know those earlier years and then you had to ride him in the bareback cutting and you got a little taste on how rolly he really is didn't you?
1: Oh, yeah absolutely I think I'll never forget like when when it came out we'd made you a you'd got uh, enough to let me ride him and when Pia heard that it was not only was I riding him but that it was. Was uh, turned into a because the first year I don't believe was a um, bareback. Yes, and they changed it to being a. bit I remember Pira just like losing it um, in laughter when she heard that that was what was going to happen. Yeah, um, yeah, that's uh, definitely got my own bit of karma back there.
0: And uh, and you and I think we can find a photo of that because you had a pretty tight grip on the reins because the horse doesn't have a mane either. So again, for the American listeners, the Australian stock horses is tradition that you hog their mane, so that's shave their mane off, and so he couldn't even hold the mane and this horse is cutting on a cow and we got a pretty good photo so I'll try to get that up and then also you used him for the Brumby catch and your Brumby at the time was certainly not as I guess um, as kind as your first Brumby and and I don't know if you actually officially caught him at the uh, but you you jumped off double image onto the Brumby and I, I don't even think you got a leg either side you just went straight to the ground you had all the commitment in the world and um and and they didn't give you a score because it's a bonus hundred points and they did didn't give you a score because you didn't actually. They didn't. The judges didn't qualify it as even a ride, right. even though you didn't have to be on for a set amount of time. They were just like you didn't get a leg either side, so that didn't work out in your favour. And just like usual, you got bucked off your um <laughs> your bronc in in I think under two seconds uh, as
1: no, well. Oh, at least it was three, mate. Come on. <laughs> I, I reckon
0: that might have been the last time you've ever been on a bronc in a shoot. Would I be right?
1: Good question. Uh 2012,
0: I reckon, because I the, the Dan James flying clip which I've put on the Facebook from a. An earlier podcast that was 2000 and oh, i wouldn't have been any later than 10 it would have been nine or 10 oh you would have rode the year before in 2011 you would have rode at um the, the previous ncha stockman's challenge and then you would have obviously ridden in your earlier days in the Pilbara and broom and the rest of it so i'm thinking you haven't been in the chutes again which is probably a good thing yeah.
1: Probably,
0: yeah, it might it might be it might be the last one. yes yeah, so after I reckon I get, the the last time we talked about the NCHA for Trudy, I reckon I give you the biggest plug and pump up that maybe I've ever done, and then this one I've just absolutely crucified you. So bringing you back to earth there because it certainly wasn't, um yeah, it certainly wasn't much there to, to brag about. But the next thing I'm gonna I'm just gonna move on and tick that off. Paradise Lagoon. So I went up to Paradise, and the only thing I can tell you about Paradise, I mean, it was cool to be up there with all those guys, and I. Did a show for him and everything. Um, but it was just so ridiculously wet that they had to pull literally every vehicle in with some sort of tractor or grader or dozer. This place is normally immaculate as they park vehicles with a parking attendant and they have, oh, there'd be eight to 900 horses running each open competition. Um, so you've got to imagine a lot of competitors and they fit them all in. And it was in a crazy wet year. So when I was flashing back through the Facebook, that popped up. The other one was Equitana, which we went back to Equitana. You didn't come over for this once. You're in the States. It was 2012. I did it by myself and I got called up to commentate the barrel race. And I've officially now been banned from ever doing that again. Uh, you weren't there to witness it, but I um I might have been about four to six beers in when I went there. I was doing it for a pre <laughs> I was doing it for a sponsor and they were sponsoring the event. And um they asked me to co commentate. Now I had a hell of a time and we did it with with your mate Roger. Um Fitz, is it Fitz Harding, the dressage writer? What's his last name? Yep. Yeah, Fitz Harding, I'm pretty sure. So your mate, we did it with him and we also did it with... Um uh, Michelle um, Schiller, and um, she also was there, and 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 so she was the expert barrel racer, and uh, I was just the comedy factor, and I was I was just a bit reckless in some of the loose stuff that I was saying. And um, Roger told me the next year that we went to Equitana that he was certainly banned as well because he was a part of it. Michelle let me know that um, I was never going to be invited back again. Um, so I thought I'd just give myself my own dishonorable mention for Equitana 2012. But we did go from there. You did fly back over. I took the horses across and we met up at Adelaide at the three-day, which was 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 it's pretty amazing so the people that don't know about Adelaide it's in the city they have the big 3-day international um eventing competition there it's yeah it's just it's just a huge thing <laughs> oh, you there For
1: the Americans it was yeah for the Americans it's the equivalent of uh the uh, the Rolex 3-day event there in Lexington Kentucky
0: yeah so it's for for us to that was the, the I guess first time for us and the only time we've been there to do any entertainment we took the horses across um the, the, we had a lot of different stuff and I reckon I've used this photo before where you're in the jodpers and doing the jumping over the beanbag that that will happen there. But it was the the story that I wanted to pull from this was actually please. And I talked about this on the, on the previous episode, or maybe even the one before where, um, you know, I, I jumped him into the back of a moving float, um, with a, with a electric skateboard. Well, when I mentioned the NCHA futurity, one of the acts that we did there was we used a little girl called Bella Roland. And uh, she's actually come and done a little bit of work for me now, where she's a bit more grown up than she was back then. So she was a little girl and she jumped on Please, our miniature pony. And instead of me doing it on the skateboard, because the sand was so um, thick there, it wasn't going to be possible. We still did the mini float, but this girl where she pretty much broke Please in, she rode the pony into the back of this moving float in front of a few thousand people at uh, Tamworth there. And it was quite an amazing. Achievement, you know, her first time in front of a crowd like that. The ponies, like I said, he wouldn't be ten rides in. It was it was a big deal, so I wanted to replicate that again at um, this three day event. So I put the call out to find some young riders, and we found two riders because one couldn't do it both days. It might have been two or three day show, and someone else had to fill in. And all all I remember from this is. Um, you certainly weren't too happy with me because in the show, both shows, we had two, both riders fell off. One got pretty much decapitated because they never let go. So what you're supposed to do, if you guys can picture this as listeners, is this is a tiny, and I'll get a photo of this float, and I'll put that up on our socials. It's a tiny little float, and the mini jumps in it, and the rider. Horse, and, what's that?
1: Uh, horse trailer just doing the interpretation.
0: Oh, yeah, horse trailer. The, the rider has to grab the roof and basically just open their leg in the Allow the horse or the pony to go into the float or the trailer. And then they just they just step off and that's that's the deal. Well, the the first rider doesn't remember, this first kid doesn't remember to do that. And so they ride into the float holding onto the pony, and basically their torso gets collected by the frame of the float or the trailer and rips them off the pony. So that was like strike one. And then we have this new kid come in to do it the next day. One was a girl and one was a boy, and then this time he's just because the ponies, these miniature ponies are really hard to ride for these kids because they've got the shortest little stride and the, and the kid was like bouncing and was nearly bouncing off just at the time that the pony was jumping in and they got like T-boned on the side of the float, like the wing of the float or the trailer and they collected that again with their torso but not from, from the roof, from the side and they got ripped off the pony too. And All I remember was afterwards was you gave me a bit of a spray and you said to me, you're like." We never doing this show again unless you get Bella back. She's the only one that's qualified to do it. And she was a bit older. She's a midget. She's not real tall. That was probably not politically correct, but she's a short person. And she's not real tall. And she was only here the other day babysitting the kids. And Zara, who's six, and then Tom, who's four, they, we've got this, you know, you know, the little hill we have with all the rocks. The kids like going up there and just exploring it. And so Bella took them up there while I was doing the clinic. And she was coming back down the hill with the kids. And from a distance, I had a look and I was thinking, why is there three kids? Like who, who else has got a kid here with my kids? And I'm like, oh, that's not a kid. That's Bella. And Bella's now an adult. So even though that she was a kid when she- did that act with us she would have been older than she looked so she had more experience and and she was way better uh, than these other kids and i just remember you giving me a little spray so i thought i would um just put that in this sort of running sheet um any anything from that adelaide that you remember that you want to that you want to shine a light on
1: Oh, mate, I remember that Adelaide. So it was a, a heck of an event. Um, you know, to get to be there, you know, of course, I had such a heavy interest in, in the event thing, um, for many years and, uh, to see a lot of the people that I, uh, looked up to and, and watch their careers, um, uh, you know, growing to be, um, in amongst them and, and watch them, I thought was pretty cool. Of course, our, you know, lots of good friends there, but, you know, the Frederick boys, um, Clayton and Gelbert, yes. um, they were, they were both there. They were always, um, up for a, for um, a beer and a laugh and uh, work some horses, but I, I yeah the, the rest of the show get to, to be there in Adelaide and do that again. I think is pretty uh, I guess memorable uh, event. Um, I think jumping over beanbag. We used I uh, oh mean she was a great great kid too. She was a good rider. She was I think one of Megan Jones's interns.
0: Yes, she she'd been and helped us with the um, um, Equitana and bit, bits and pieces. We used her mare there. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm bloody again bloody shocking with names. I'll get it. I'll get it and it'll be after the podcast, but, um, I will, you know, I'll reshare some photos from that. Um, we went across from there and we went to WA and, uh, in between that trip, I reckon you even went back to the States and then came back again or something like that. Like it was just, crazy time like I reckon you went back you did you know now I remember you went back to the States in between me traveling back with those horses you went back to the States with Tootie and you went to the NFR because I think she introduced you to maybe Cotton Rosser or something like that you went across there so you flew to Australia yeah, just just to do the three day then you flew back to the States then you came back to Perth and we put on another self-produced show Um, and, and, and while we are there for that show the ABC did a pretty good story on us, uh, made us look pretty good. So I'll share that on their socials as well. So yeah, you must have been just all sorts of jet lagged.
1: Yeah, I, I think that being a little younger, the said it's a little easier, right?
0: Yeah, that travel didn't seem to be such a big deal. When you think about it now, it almost makes you anxious, you know, knowing about how long you got to be cooped up in that plane. But we were doing it, like myself, I reckon that year, I went back to the States four or five times, and I reckon you equaled that coming back to Australia. We just were just going backwards and forwards because we're still really keeping up appearances as the double dance. You know, any of those major shows, we were there together and we couldn't do it for, forever. I think the next couple of years we sort of maintained it and then it sort of has, you know, had to had naturally just um, as we've got busier and families and everything else hasn't been at – we haven't been able to sort of uh, do it as often. But uh, the only other show that I had on this list before, before we wrap it up uh, was Polo in the Valley. I did a show in Perth and, and I got to um, – use that horse my special rock and and um and and the horse that you trained earlier on for for good friends of ours over there in perth and um in that in that show nothing went wrong but um another friend of ours got hit fair in the back of the head sarah dolan with a polo ball and she she was there to see the show poor girl cops a polo ball imagine that james in in the head from the from behind so she didn't see it coming and i think she had to have like six stitches and go to hospital
1: I do yeah again now that you mention mentioned it I, I do remember that and that was um, yeah uh, that show was good and I, I remember the girls going off the polo and, and uh, coming back uh, with a smile cushion and six stitches
0: yeah so it's. Uh, it was just something that popped up on the Facebook and I just thought I'll mention some of these shows because I just like to think about and I haven't even done it any justice because there was way more shows in the States and there was other shows in Australia I just, I just went through this and just thought I'm going to do some special mentions just for our sake as we can reflect on these podcasts and, and sort of know that that was, that was an incredible year backing up from, from the two previous years of, of us probably, um, you know, becoming more popular and well-known both obviously in Australia and then, and then just branching out into America. So I think it has a significant point in our timeline. So I just wanted to just sort of just chuck them in and, uh, and hopefully the listeners got um, a bit of a laugh out of a couple of those stories. We're going to wrap it. We're
1: talking about, mm-hmm. hold on, one thing to talk about timeline that uh, i seen came up today uh, on this day uh, in the podcast uh, two years ago. Uh, it was the World Equestrian Games in Tryon, which I know that we'll get to at some point. And, of course, uh, you're not being able to get there and Kim Hagen doing like a 24-hour visit and going home.
0: Yeah, there's going to be a lot of stories out of that year as well. And like you said, that was only last, that's last year, right? Or two years ago. Two years. Two years ago. Two years ago. So, um, yeah, that's just, it's, it's it's just incredible. We're going to uh, each – I keep thinking that, you know, we, we sort of – the timeline gets a little bit tamer as we get on because, you know, we probably get a little bit more settled into our clinic structure and things like that. But um, I, I can't actually see it. Like I think it's going to be – you know, these episodes are going to be pretty full on all the way through until we can finally catch up to uh, 2020, which um, which we are now, and uh, and talking about um, our previous sort of 10 to 11 years. Years of us being double dance so I thought um, I'll leave it there for the 2012 and give us, us a wrap up uh, have, have I missed anything is there anything else you can remember yeah.
1: I think you've done a heck of a job um, covering uh, that particular year as you, as you said it was a, yeah, a fun one but full of, uh, lots, of uh, lots of travel.
0: Hopefully for the next episode which will be looking at uh, 2013 we'll have Kim Hagen back here in the studio and uh, and he's um, enjoying following the, the timeline himself so I know he does want to get back even though I gave him a bit of a, uh, a serve earlier on this episode we do miss having his inputs and also so, some of his humor. So, hopefully, he'll be back as well. But again, listeners, let us know. Give us your feedback. Send the messages in. Keep them coming. Uh, one, let me know where you're up to and, and, uh, and, where you're listening from, as well as um, which of these episodes have been your favourite, and and uh, and if you if you want to just give us some feedback on the lack of Kim Hagen, go right ahead, send them through as well because I will pass every single one of them on. Anything more to add, James?
1: No, I, you know what? I reckon that if you remember that you were at one of these events with um, Dan and I and, and the crew, um, if you have a photo of any photos that were maybe taken during these events uh, with us at the booth or uh, um, you know, during that, that you should uh, share them on our uh, Instagram and uh, Facebook page. Well, that'd be pretty cool to see some flashback from some of the, um, the friends and fans out there of Double Dan.
0: Absolutely, tag us so we know um, how to find it. And uh, we're also going to be able to start giving away some prizes. Um, I'm I'm working on the moment, James, on getting some podcast caps made that I want to be able to um, to use as prizes as as uh, this podcast um, carries on or continues on, as well as i mentioned. Mentioned when I was on the phone to Kim Hagen that uh, I am working on a show sponsor for the podcast. And hopefully if we can line them up um, and get them across the line, that we'll also be able to give away some prizes um, from their products as well as some of our other sponsors. So listeners, make sure that uh, you do share our podcast on your socials, stay up to date, and uh, and hopefully we can get a prize out to, to some of our listeners soon. Awesome. All right, James, good to have you on board. How many hours until you get home? I believe it
1: is. uh, It's another uh, only nine hours. Oh, sensational. We've been going since three
0: o'clock this morning, so we're uh,
1: we're killing it.
0: Well, there you go. Well, um, I guess we've been able to sort of help you on your drive and keep you company for the last hour or so. So hopefully that's made the trip go a little bit uh, quicker. Make sure you have a safe trip home and give those two kids of yours a big hug and a kiss from Uncle Dan and say good day to the wife for me, please. Likewise, mate. Will do. All right, mate. Mate, you have a good trip. I'll talk to you soon.
1: Yeah, bye. If you like my daddy's podcast, please write, review, and subscribe. Share this podcast with your friends.